This episode is brought to you by Element. That's L-M-N-T. What's Element? Element is the product that came into my life at exactly the right moment. I've been training hard. I've been sweating like a maniac. But unfortunately, after my sessions, I could never kick that feeling of dehydration. It didn't matter how much water I drank. In fact, the more water I drank, the worse it got. My body was telling me, you need more. You need electrolytes. But I refused to go and buy some sugary sports drink and put that garbage into my body. Enter Element. What's Element? It's a tasty electrolyte drink mix. That's right. I said tasty. They have seven different flavors. My personal favorite is mango chili. But most importantly, it's got no sugar. It's got no gluten. It's got no garbage. It's got no guilt. Take it. You'll feel better. You won't feel like a bum after you drink it. You won't feel any guilt after taking it. To get your element today, go to drinklmnt.com backslash George Mahoney. Again, that's drinklmnt.com backslash George Mahoney. Get yours today. Welcome to the episode of the Advanced Training Podcast. In this episode, we are going to answer the top 10 questions from parents and youth coaches on youth training. So these questions either came directly from parents of younger athletes or the coaches that coach those athletes. So what's a younger athlete? For the purposes of this podcast, we're going to say anyone who is a freshman or younger. Now, before we begin uh, to answer some of these questions, I have to address two things. One, I use the word son a lot mostly because the questions that came in had son in them. They came from parents of sons or coaches of boys. Two, you have to be emotionally prepared to hear some of these answers. They're either going to debunk a myth of something you believe in your entire life and refuse to believe is true, or you're just not going to like the answer. You're, gonna, you're just going to hate it. It's not going to be what you want to hear. All right, with that, let's begin. The first question is, how old should my son be before he starts lifting weights? So... We're coming right out of the gate with this. I want you to understand that your son running around on a soccer field or jumping up to catch a baseball is more taxing on his body than almost anything that your son can do in a gym. That includes deadlifting, bench pressing, back squatting. I know it sounds a little nutty, but it's the truth. There is more force put into the ground. There is more coordination needed for your foot strike and your arm placement and to react to your environment and sprinting than anything you're going to do in a gym. What poses risk in the gym is not the act of deadlifting or squatting or bench pressing. It's how it's performed. It's who's supervising the movement. It's how fast weight uh, load is put on any of those movements. So if we're going back to an age recommendation so you just don't think that I'm nuts, the American Academy of Pediatrics Society, they say seven or eight years old. The WHO Academy of Pediatrics says five or six. Now, for me, I'm not going to take a five or six-year-old, put him in the gym, and put 700 pounds on their back and make him back squat. With any athlete, regardless of age, you want to start at the base and work up. When I say the base, I mean you want to start with body weight movements. And I'm not saying that uh, until the age of 12 that athletes should only do body weight movements. What I'm saying is they come in, they do body weight movements. And based on their rate of progression, based on their rate of coordination, then and only then do you add load. And the load does not necessarily need to be a barbell. That load can start off in the form of a plate. It can come in the form of, a, say you start with a plate in their hand, a 10-pound plate. There's nothing. Then maybe they're holding a 15-pound dumbbell. Then maybe it's a 20-pound sandbag. Then maybe it's a barbell that weighs 45 pounds. And that progression can take months. That can take years. It depends on the athlete. So you really need a good coach to be able to dissect your son, make sure that he's doing everything at the right progression, And make sure that the environment he's training in is safe, meaning will that barbell break in half? If your son's going to do a pull-up, is it going to fall out of the wall and crush his head? Uh, 
If he's doing a lunge, is someone going to come and step on the back of his ankle, right? That's what you need to be careful about when your son is going to train. So for me, start get, get your son in early. Seven or eight seems to be a very reasonable age to me. Start them off with the basics, body weight movements. Learn how to control your own body and then gradually add load. And that there's no time frame on this. It really depends on how quickly your, your son is progressing, your athlete is progressing, that you're coaching. Now, the next question related to this is, will lifting weights stunt my son's growth? The short answer is no. I know that yeah, this is controversial, right? Well, what about all these uh, bodybuilders? Why are they all so short? Well, back in the day, there were a lot of bodybuilders that were short, and people thought, well, they're short because they lifted weights. It's not the truth. Saying that is like saying, well, uh, LeBron James, he's tall because he plays basketball. No. See? You understand what I'm saying? It's not the same thing. So, what I'm going to do, rather than just give you my little quick answer of no, I'm going to read you something from the National Strength and Conditioning Association. If you want to Google this yourself, you don't trust my answer, I'd say, do it. This is the title of the article. You put in NSCA, that's National Strength and Conditioning, Co- Conditioning Association, and here is the title of the article. It's long-term athletic development and its application to youth weightlifting. All right, now in weightlifting, what it really is, is for those that don't know, uh, it's another term for Olympic lifting, like the snatch and press, uh, sorry, the snatch and squat, the clean and press. That's what weightlifting refers to, but you could understand that this correlates to anything. So I'm going to read it. It's a quick paragraph, and maybe I'll stop a couple times in between to clarify some of the points. So it says, a major concern related to weightlifting movements for young athletes has revolved around the potential to the growth plate. Okay, we just said this. That's the point of this question. Is it going to stunt my son's growth? Next sentence. Although it is true that this structural compound is weaker than the surrounding connective tissues, there is no evidence indicating that weightlifting or more generally resistance training is especially injurious to the growth plate. I'll say that again. There is no evidence indicating that weightlifting or more generally resistance training is especially injurious to the growth plate. The other part of this, here we go, is an or, or has a direct correlation with reductions in eventual growth height in young athletes. So that first paragraph, it answers in a longer way uh, the question that we just asked, will it stunt my son's growth? The second part of this question, sorry, the second paragraph in this, which is quick, is going to answer the question that I just had at or the, the topic of sprinting. It says, conversely, adaptations to the connective tissues and skeletal system that can be gained from weightlifting when young athletes are appropriately supervised will better prepare them to tolerate the impact and ground reaction forces that are likely to ex- they are likely to experience within a sporting environment. Boom. I think that says it all. So lifting weights or training in a gym is going to help you absorb the force and tolerate the force that you're putting into the ground while you are running around a soccer field, uh, running around a basketball court, or jumping to get a rebound. Okay, next question. Is CrossFit training better than sports-specific training? Also, is isometric training better than weight training? So before we get into this, I have to state that the purpose of being in a gym is not to make your son specifically better at the sport they are playing. The purpose of being in a gym is to increase their general physical preparedness. In the strength and conditioning world, that's referred to as GPP. Essentially, to make it simple, it means they need to become a better athlete. They need to be stronger. They need to be more coordinated. They need to put them in a cells to prevent injuries. That's what should be going on in the gym. To get better at your sport, practice your sport. Go to your hitting coach. Go to your basketball coach. Go to your practice for that sport. That's what's going to make you better at your sport. You don't want to go into the gym 
and make your gym session uh, more about getting better at your sport than it is about getting stronger, more coordinated. Those things that you do in the gym should be enablers to make you better at your sport. So in the world of strength and conditioning, sports-specific training is practicing your sport. So if we talk about things that, uh, you know, that, that you want to avoid, these are the things that you don't want to do if you're in a gym with a younger athlete. Right? So we said that lifting is safe, but here's the things that you probably shouldn't do. You, you probably, not probably, you should not lift the heaviest weight possible. Even if the kid is, you think the kid's ready to do it, before they're like a sophomore in high school, there is no point trying to make that kid lift the highest one rep maximum they can on bench press. Guys call it maxing out. There's no reason for anybody to max out on bench press, deadlift, or squat until they get to be like a sophomore in high school. And if they are going to do it when they're a sophomore in high school, it's something they probably should limit to uh, like once or twice a year. It's not something they should be doing all the time. For a younger athlete, they also shouldn't be lifting to failure. So say, uh, say they aren't just lifting the barbell. Well, they, don't, they shouldn't lift it until they lose all their coordination and it drops to their stomach, right? They should lift and they have to leave what we call reps in the tank, meaning if I can get 10, do 7. Right? Leave some reps in the tank because you want your body to remember success. Right? You want your central nervous system to remember the successful movement patterns, and you don't want to wear out your body at the same time. They shouldn't sprint to failure. I mean, you should, your son should be sprinting uh, so much that they're puking or their form breaks down or they're exhausted. And I also say that they, unless they're specifically going to become a long-distance runner on track, there's not many sports that your kids are playing that's going to require them to do a lot of long, long-distance running. Yeah, uh, Johnny, go run eight miles. We'll get into this later, but why? There's no reason for it. The last thing I'd say is, and this goes back to the CrossFit question, I would not, not recommend highly technical lifts for long durations, meaning if for whatever reason your son is, is gifted and properly trained, and he knows how to do a hang clean or a snatch or even a squat, there's no reason to do those things for very long duration. So for that reason, back to the original question, I am not a, the biggest advocate of CrossFit, especially when it comes to younger, younger athletes. I believe they should be in that gym learning the basics, learning to become a better athlete, so when they step onto their practice field, their body is in a much better position because of the body control that they have, the uh, athletic prowess they've gained in the gym, the explosion they've gained in the gym, the strength they've gained in the gym to be able to make themselves a, a better athlete. And now, if you need to focus on one thing, right? what's the thing I need to focus on? For me, strength, it, it's the thing. right? If you, if you are strong, well, to be fast, you need to be strong. And strong can be the building block for everything else you're going to want later on in life. Strong can be the foundation, like I said, for speed. It could be the foundation for size. And it could be the foundation for endurance. Yeah, the stronger you are, the more endurance you're going to have because it's going to require less effort to move your body from point A to point B. You know, if, if I... Or if I'm going to bench press 225 pounds 40 times, who's going to bench it more? The guy who bench presses 275 pounds once? or the guy who benches 425 pounds once. So if you want to hear more on this, I'd suggest you listen to episode 118, which is called Bigger, Stronger, Slower. Because, uh, again, I'm not saying that strength equals size here. Strength does not equal size. If you're focusing on anything in the gym, strength can be your building block, then that building block can lead to better speed, explosion, size, or endurance, whatever you're looking for, after you get that basis of strength. With respect to isometrics, I love it. Add it into your training. It's something that our guys do now. We actually do a little bit of everything. We do body weight movements. We do isometrics. We do uh, you know, power strength movements. 
you can add all that stuff into what you're doing in the gym. Okay, next question. Will lifting weights make my son worse at his sport? I know growing up, my dad always said, don't lift weights, it's going to make you not be able to throw a baseball. Don't lift weights, it's not going to be able to swing a baseball bat, right? But here I am, also an inside linebacker in football, so how can I go in, you know, being a, I'll say, a skinny guy for baseball and then a big guy for football, it just wouldn't work. So that the trick is, is that if you keep practicing your sport while you're weightlifting, then you're going to keep the mobility and explosion necessary to play your sport. Granted, you can't be doing stuff in the gym that's going to make you worse at your sport. So if I need to be an explosive athlete, then I shouldn't be doing things at the gym that are going to condition me more to be a, a long-distance runner, right? Or I shouldn't be, make myself uh, try to be a bodybuilder so I am so bulky that I can't move. But again, being strong does not equal being big, right? Think about Bruce Lee. That guy was strong. He wasn't huge, but he was strong. It was muscle development, coordination, that sets the framework for everything else. Okay, next question. How old should my son be before he starts speed training? <laughs> In my mind, the earlier the better, right? Uh, so first off, I'm not saying you have to go to a, a track and field coach and they have to focus on the perfect, proper, the perfect running mechanics, but I would say is that you really want to make sure that when your son is running, he's using good arm angles. You know, if you're, if you're looking at your son and his arms are swinging from side to side, that is a waste of energy. His arms are now competing with his body. His arms should be going back and forth, back and forth. His elbow should almost be touching his torso as he's running. When his foot lands, where is his foot landing? Is it landing under his hips or is it landing out in front of his body? If, is it landing out all the way to the side of his body? When their foot lands, it should be landing under their body so it's propelling them forward, also so that they're able to stop and start. These are just the simple things that you'd look at, but I'd say, yeah, in most sports, it's not only about how fast you can run, it's about how fast you can start and how fast you can stop. So for me, it's not like you need a, an expert trainer. I would say you focus on their arm angles, focus on their foot placement, and have them run a series of uh, 5, 10, and 20-yard sprints. And it doesn't have to be that much. They just need to run as fast as they can. So if they, once they start slowing down, then stop, because then it's going to not be working on their speed their, and their agility. So someone else had asked, well, what are the best speed and agility drills for younger athletes? I'm going to say avoid bags. You know, when people are running over bags, if you have a coach that does it, they're doing a bad job. Bags are forcing your legs to go up, and that is not something that you should be doing. Your knees should be going forward. Watch any great running back. Watch a basketball player. Their legs are not going up. Their legs are moving forward. In fact, their knee is over their shin. That is the point of acceleration. That is the way you decelerate. That's how you break. So if your coach is using bags, don't do it. I would minimize the use of ladders, those speed ladders. Because all, think about that. To get your foot over the ladder, where's your knee got to go? Up. All right. Again, not something that you're going to do. And again, I know coaches have said in football, you got to step over bodies. you got to drive your knees high. It's garbage. Watch a running back. Watch film of it. I wrote a whole blog on this where you're just watching great running backs, great athletes. None of them are raising their knees. They're moving their knees forward. Uh, I would also minimize like dot drills. They're good, but again, you just start getting good at the drill and you don't get good at running. What I do like, I would like some jump rope. That's, that's good to work on coordination. It's good to work on your explosiveness. And I also am really a big fan of reaction drills. So not just where your son's going to go out and say sprint 5 or 10 yards. Sometimes have him start a sprint when you move your foot. Uh, sometimes have him move when someone else moves. Have someone chase him. 
You know, that, that gets you closer. I know we talked about sports-specific training. That gets you closer to sports-specific training. Yeah, it's still general physical preparedness, but it's getting you closer. It's bridging that gap. And sometimes it makes it way more fun than just saying to a, you know, a 10-year-old kid, all right, go run 10, 20-yard dashes, right? They're going to be bored to death with that. Let's add a little fun into it. Maybe you throw a ball on the floor and they have to run and go catch it. Okay, next question. What should I do to improve my son's performance? Well, to answer that, i got to ask you, Sorry, not performance. What should I do to improve my son's endurance? That's a key word there, endurance. So my question to to you is why? Why does your son need to improve his endurance? Like uh, if he's a baseball player, how tired could he possibly be uh, hitting a double, right? Does it even matter if he's tired or not? If your son is a soccer player, I know your soccer players run all over the place, but come on. Are they really jogging all these long distances? If your son plays basketball, yeah, they are going up and down the court, but they're not long-distance runners. These guys, they're all sprinters. They're starting, they're stopping. They're starting, they're stopping. They're short bursts, and then there's nothing. They're short bursts, and then there's nothing. So if you're saying, well, look, my son is exhausted during these games, I wouldn't say what you need to do uh, in terms of running longer. Don't do that. Getting Again, getting stronger will help because you're going to move from point A to point B quicker and it's going to take you less energy to get there. It's also good to work on those running mechanics so it takes you less energy to get there. If I'm flailing my arms all over the place and I'm running up and down a basketball court, then yeah, I'm going to get more tired than the person who has perfect form because you're going to take one step and get two feet. I'm going to take one step and get eight feet. Okay, so who's going to get more tired? The person who has to take ten steps or the person who has to take two steps to get to where we want to go? So the other thing that I would say is you want to reduce body fat, right? That That is going to help you, quote-unquote, get in better shape. If you're running around with a piano on your back, you're going to get tired more easily. So shed shed the piano. Now, how do you do that? Uh, we'll talk about that in a, a little bit, but I'd say that the best ways to do this for an athlete, to, to have them reduce body fat, one is through nutrition, so they have to eat healthy. You can't feed them pizza and hot dogs and uh, soda and expect your son to get skinnier and lose body fat. And two, a very safe way to burn off fat is just go on walks. Go on nice walks. It's not going to wear you down. They're not going to be bored. Uh, They're not going to have people who are overweight and jog and they have bad form. They're going to get injured. It's not going to take them forever. Just go on a walk. Go on a walk as a family, but it's really a great way to reduce body fat. So that, to me, the best ways of improving endurance are one, reduce body fat, and two, get stronger. If you do those two things without running running miles, without going on some uh, exercise bike for six hours or an elliptical for six hours, that is going to make your son have better endurance. Oh, and by the way, be a better athlete. Because if you're going on a bike for six hours or you're on a seven-mile jog, unless you are a long-distance runner, there is no value in doing that. It's going to make you worse at your sport. Okay, so next question, which is linked to reduced body fat. What should my son do to lose weight? Here is a statement you might not like to hear, but it's you can't out-train your mouth. If you want to listen to a full podcast on that, listen to episode number 41. What that essentially means is that there is no amount of working out that you're going to do that's going to offset the poison that you're putting into your body. You have to eat right. Because let's just say that you want to eat pizza and ice cream and candy and drink soda and put all this garbage into your body and french fries and donuts so I'll just work it off in the gym Eh, there's only a certain point that that'll work too until your body just starts to break down and you do get injured you have to eat properly now so so how do you do this right especially in today's times where it's just easier to get this this food well I, I think the 
bad food, I should say. The simplest ways to do this is eliminate processed foods as much as you can. I know it's impossible to do that, but try to eliminate processed foods as much as, much as possible. So if it wasn't uh, grown out of the ground or lived on this earth, it's a processed food. So try and eat things that were grown out of the ground, maybe in a tree, or it was a, a living creature on this earth. And the other thing is drink water, right? Don't you, Can you replace all the soda, all the garbage with just plain old good water? That is what you should be doing to control your weight. Also, uh, eh, I'll leave it at that. I don't want to get any more complicated with that type of a question. Okay, next question on this on the uh, the line of nutrition. Is it safe for my son to quote-unquote take protein shakes or eat protein bars? So my answer is going to be compared to what, right? Uh, compared to regular food, I'd say go with regular food. Get, get as much real food as you possibly can. A protein shake is a supplement for you not being able to get the right food at the right time. But if you say compared to uh, McDonald's, sorry McDonald's, compared to uh, some junk food out there, uh, candy, soda, then yeah, a protein shake is healthier. Now, is it the best thing for a 12-year-old kid to have? I don't know. I, I would say I, in, many, in m- many instances, it might not be. Real food is always the best answer. But it's, it can't be any worse for you than candy, ice cream, pizza, right? That stuff is not good for you. It's, it's only going to make your son a worse athlete. So my recommendation is stick to real food as long as you possibly can. When your son gets into the high school area and he has a hard workout and he wants to take a protein shake to recover because he's got a, a team meeting afterwards and he doesn't have time to go home and eat dinner, yeah, do that. But when you're a young kid, you should, you should have, I know young kids actually are getting more pressed than older kids, you should have enough time to go home and eat a well-balanced meal and uh, not have to have any of these processed foods in place of of anything else. Okay, next question. This has this. We're getting into the multiple sports questions. So, should my son specialize in one sport or play as many sports as possible? Very controversial topic because people see somebody like Tiger Woods and say, wow, that guy's been playing golf since he was born, right? This guy is the, one of the best golfers in the history of the world. He specialized in his sport. Well, the, the answer for most of the population on earth is that it depends on the sport that you want to play. If your sport is an individual sport where you don't have to react or improvise or interact with other people, like golf, like uh, figure skating, like gymnastics, right? Then early specialization isn't an issue. But if you're going to play other sports that require you to improvise, to be creative, to react, to have teamwork, to develop this broad base of, of knowledge, then uh, like physical knowledge and mental knowledge with when it comes to sports, then you should really play as many sports as possible when you're when you're younger. So my recommendation, my rule of thumb is before high school, play as many sports as possible. When you get to your freshman or sophomore year, maybe it narrow it down to like two or three. And then when you get to your junior senior year, maybe you narrow it down to one or two. This is gonna do a few things. One, it's gonna keep an athlete from burning out. So I can't tell you the amount of times that I've seen Older athletes hate the sport that they're playing because their parents have dr- driven it down their throats since the time they could walk, right? Maybe they're good at that sport, but they just don't want to play it anymore. Man, I've been playing basketball. I've been on travel teams. I've been playing 12 months a year since I was six. That's it. I'm done. I hate it. I'm out. So that's number one. Keep them fresh. Number two is that playing multiple sports is going to develop multiple athletic skill sets that are actually transferable to other sports. So, for example... Can a wide receiver in football catch footballs better 
because of the hand-eye coordination he developed playing baseball, right? I, I answer is yes. I mean, I know me as a football player, I played baseball and I played soccer. I was a better football player because I played baseball and played soccer. And what about the mental aspect of it, right? So when you're playing sports, whether you realize it or not, you have to come up with solutions very rapidly to problems that are coming out of nowhere. Whatever the sport is, you know, I'm playing soccer, uh, my defender shoots to the left, okay, I'm going to go to the right. I'm playing basketball, they double-team me, oh, i got to pass the ball to somebody else. Right? These are split-second decisions that need to be made. Now, the more you can make those decisions in different environments, the better you're going to be as you get to the sport that you want to play. Now, think about Derek Jeter, right? That crazy backhand flip he did. I think it was against the Oakland Athletics. He gets the ball, he gets the ball coming from the outfield. He flips it back to home plate. They get him out. Maybe he got that from being a basketball player, which he was, by the way. Or Patrick Mahomes doing these uh, no-look passes. Maybe he picked up some of that from doing uh, pickoff moves, right? So it's, it's really about... How can you take what you're learning from these other sports and mesh these transferable skills together? I think Just think about these other multi-sport athletes. Aaron Judge was a basketball player and a football player. LeBron James is a football player. So for me, the more sports you can play, the younger you are, the better off you are. I mean, if I could redo my life again, I wish I would have taken gymnastics when I was a little kid. I think that is one of the greatest ways to learn body control, tumbling, rolling, falling on the floor, moving your body weight up in the air. I mean, for me, I wish I could have done that. I didn't, but I wish I could have because I think that would have been a great building block for everything else. So now, now somebody might say, look, if my son plays other sports, how is that going to impact his time on a travel team? Right? Because a lot of these kids, they play basketball. Let's say they're playing basketball. It could be soccer. It could be anything. Baseball. They play for their league. Then they play on a travel team. And then some, some might even play in like some sort of intramural school sport. Right? So my rule of thumb should be, it's like one in, one out. So if I am playing basketball during my basketball season, I probably also should not be on a travel team for soccer at the same exact time. Because now, how is this kid going to balance out his personal life, right? Because he's got to play a sport, he's got to have time to do his schoolwork, He's got to have time to spend with his family. And yeah, by the way, parents, you need to balance out your personal life too. Your life shouldn't be revolving around just driving your kid from one sport to another. Because remember, even if that kid is pretty good at that sport, they might be burnt out by the time it's all over. Or they might just get sick of playing that sport, or they might have overuse injuries from doing the same thing all the time. So for me, my recommendation uh, is that they play multiple sports. While they're playing multiple sports, they should probably put a put the brakes on the other sport that they're playing. So if I'm in the, my, the middle of my basketball season, maybe I shouldn't be on a travel team for something else. Now, is their coach going to be upset about this? The, it could be. Uh, in today's day and age, there are a lot of travel coaches that don't like if you don't play on their travel team in, a, in addition to their league team, and they hold it against you. So I get it, but I think the only goal is to make your son as good as that sport as possible so the coach can't deny him. I think back to the, the, the movie Achilles when uh, Brad Pitt is Achilles and he has to go fight that giant dude. You know, they, they don't care that Brad Pitt wasn't around for all this stuff. They just said, all right, come out, take care of this guy because he was awesome. And I think that's the only hope that you, can, that you can have. Now, the question might be, well, if my kid's playing multiple sports and there's another guy who's just playing baseball and he's on the travel team and the league team and he's playing 12 months out of the year, isn't he going to be better at that specific skill? I think short-term... He might be. He might pick up more skills, but long-term, no. Long-term, as we just, we've just we already talked about, 
your son is going to pick up transferable skills from other sports. He's not going to get burnt out. And he's not going to have as many injuries in the long run. So I, there was a study done in the uh, major leagues, and I, I can't remember all the specifics of the data. There's another podcast on it. If you want to listen to it, I can refer to you. If you need to, just reach out to me. I'll send it to you. But they were showing how many more injuries there were in major league baseball players that specialized in their sport early, either through overuse or from not developing other skill sets. So, uh, yeah. Again, this is this is a controversial topic. I get it. You need to balance out your child's interests, uh, their, the implications it's going to have with their coach for not playing on travel teams, and for your own personal life, because is your life meant to be driving your son from one practice to another or watching one game and another one and then having no time for your own self to develop and grow? Okay, next question. Are mandatory layoffs good? My answer, Yes. <laughs> Mandatory layoffs are great. Now, mandatory layoffs does not mean do nothing. Mandatory layoffs to me means you get a break from that organized sport, whatever that sport is. So if you're going to play basketball, I'd recommend that you don't play an organized sport of basketball 12 months a year. You either break it up with another sport or you play basketball, but you play on your own. You play outside with your friends. So there's a great uh, movie called In Search of Greatness. I, I did a podcast on this in episode 12, episode 12 of this podcast. And there's three things that make great athletes. The greatest of the great, right? The greatest of the greats. The Michael Jordans, the Jerry Rice, the Wayne Gretzky, the Serena Williams. They did three things, or they had three things. One, they had this rage of mastery. So they were obsessed with becoming the best. They were just obsessed with it. Number two, they had a propensity to learn. So not only did they want to learn how to be the best, uh, they were able to learn. And number three was they had playtime. They had time. Like Wayne Gretzky was talking about just being in his backyard playing with his friends. I think he said that uh, being a baseball player made him a better hockey player. So if your son, that, that break, that mandatory layoff, yeah, get, like, give your son a couple of weeks or a month to go outside play with his friends. Maybe go on a basketball court by himself. Make up new stuff with no fear of failure. Right? No, there's no fear at all of failing because you're just having fun and really just make it a work of art while you're playing with your friends. Or have that layoff of playing a different sport where now your mind is not really so laser-focused 12 months a year for 10 years on that one sport that you're playing. Okay, we're going to close this up with some, uh, some of probably the most uncomfortable part of this conversation. It's level setting. So for the parents out there, this is probably more for the parents than the coaches, the chances of your son becoming a professional athlete are extremely, extremely small. So you have to ask yourself, what is the real reason that you would push your son so hard to be great at their sport? To the point that maybe your son's not having fun, or to the point that your son is missing out on other parts of his life. Now look, I am an extreme competitor. I've played sports since I was five years old. I'm still competing at certain things right now. I'm still training every day. I'm still training as hard as I did now as when I did when I was uh, 18 years old. But I, you need to understand that the likelihood of becoming a fresh professional athlete is very low. It takes a luck. It takes a lot of hard work, which is I'm okay with. And it takes a lot of genetic genetic gifts. So think about this. And you say, well, look, I'm not worried about a professional. I'm worried about a, a college scholarship. Well, did you know that the average scholarship for a college baseball player is $5,837? The average scholarship for a college football player is $8,242. Now think about this if you say, well, look, uh, it's, it's worth the investment, right? I'm going to send them to all these coaches. Well, what are you sp spending 
on these coaches or on this development. If you think about a college baseball team, if there's 36 players on a college baseball team, they only get 11.7 scholarships to share amongst all those players, right? Amongst all those players, you only get 11.7 scholarships to spread across the entire team. So if, if you don't believe what I'm saying, the one thing you could do is you go to uh, scholarshipstats.com, right? Put that in, put slash football if you want to look at football, slash baseball if you want to look at baseball. It actually tells you how many athletes there are in the world right now playing high school, what percentage of them will play in any level of college, what percentage of them will play in D1, and what the college scholarships are going to be for each one of those levels. And I like right now for baseball, I think it's uh, 9 or 10% of college baseball players go on to the big leagues. And that doesn't even mean like Major League Baseball. It just means like they're going on to like the, the minors, right? Who knows what they're getting paid there? Who knows how long they're going to play? Who knows how long their careers are going to be? So I wouldn't look at this stuff as a financial investment, investment that you're going to hit the lottery. Maybe that is. Maybe you have a better chance of hitting the lottery than you do of your son becoming a professional athlete. Don't steal the fun of the game. Let them have fun. Let them enjoy it. Don't make it a job. Also, don't steal that ability to for them to learn and to fail and to lose and to overcome problems because that's going to take them really far in life. They have to fail. They have to have problems. If the coach is hard on them, that's okay because their boss is going to be hard on them at work. So don't steal that from it either. And really, the, the big thing from a parent perspective is you need to reflect on why. Like, why do you want it? Was there a shortcoming in your life? These Man, I should have been something. If I would have only done X, Y, and Z, I'd be a professional athlete right now. I don't want to miss that, miss that for my son. Right? I don't want that to not happen for my son. Don't project your whatever it is on your son. Yeah, do you want your son to be the best your son could possibly? Yes. Do you want him to be the best athlete and be safe? Yes. I, I love all that. Do you want him to learn the value of working hard? Yes. And be the best at his craft? Yes. But it cannot, it shouldn't be at the expense of stealing the fun of that sport or the learning lessons that they're going to get from that sport when they have to overcome the hardships. All right, people, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you appreciate it, uh, please send it to another person that may appreciate it as well. I know some of this stuff was uncomfortable, but we're all learning together. Thank you. Bye. This episode is brought to you by the Nutrition Treatment Center. Are you feeling tired, fat, bloated, weak? Yet at the same time, you're training like you've never trained before? You're eating cleaner than you've ever eaten before? Well, maybe you're doing everything right, but there's something wrong inside your body that's counteracting all the good things that you're doing. It's kind of like driving down the Garden State Parkway with your foot on the gas pedal, but you're not getting anywhere because the parking brake's on. And in the world of nutrition, that parking brake could be food sensitivities. For example, you could be eating grilled chicken, but it's actually making you fat. Or you could have a micronutrient deficiency. If you're feeling tired, fat, bloated, weak, and you think you're doing everything right, go visit our friend Dr. Tom over at the Nutrition Treatment Center. If you tell them that Advanced Training referred you, he will take 25% off your first consultation fee. This man legitimately changed my life. He brought me from, and I'll just say the numbers, 19.5% body fat, a guy who trained all the time, down to 12% body fat. I lost weight while eating more, and I've never felt better, and I'm, I'm an old man now. I'm not a young man, and I've never felt better. This guy saved my life. I 100% believe in what he's done. Again, visit Dr. Tom over at the nutritiontreatmentcenter.com.